0: Hey, now, say, now. You're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncy. We are here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, at the Momentum Studios. I got D-Boy alongside me here today. What's going on, D-Boy? Glad What's to have you brother? back. What's
1: What's happening? What's happening? I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. A uh, whole
0: lot is happening. Quick announcements this Saturday, October 9th, 1 p.m. I will be calling the Pacific University game against the University of Puget Sound. So go ahead and check that out on GoBoxers.com. It'll be a fun game. The Boxers have won their last couple of games, so that's always a good thing coming into a call with the team that's, you know, that's on a, on a winning streak as of right now. Their, their quarterback has won Northwest Conference Player of the Week the last two weeks. So, again, they're hot. Their quarterback is playing well. Back-to-back uh, Northwest Conference Player of the Week honors, so It's a game that you should want to check out. Plus, I mean, I know y'all already like to hear my voice here on the podcast, so you get to hear my voice once again. But this time around, calling football games, which is a little bit of a different territory than what you all are used to hearing me. Obviously, y'all have heard me talk about football, cover football, all the things. But play-by-play is a little different, so I'm definitely excited to get that going and rolling this weekend. Also, we have the October 29th. Brian Hook's PD experience, which we've been promoting for a while. Obviously, we talked about the postponement in that last month, but it is still happening here this month coming up. And then again, just make sure you go check out Portland State's men's basketball schedule. As I'll be calling the games there, I'll be doing – I'll me and my analyst bag over there, as I talked about a bit last week as well, and then Pacific University men's and women's basketball, we're just a short month away from college hoops starting. So I'll be pretty busy and in my bag, and as these football games continue to roll around, I, I got a game October 30th, the day after the Brian, the Brian Hook show. So it's certainly that time and that time of year, that season, to be back in my broadcast bag. And I can't lie, D-boy. I'm excited about it.
1: Are you nervous at all to call football?
0: Nah. New uh, territory. You know, my entire media career has sort of been baptism by fire. And I think now I, I just accept that for what it is. Like... Everybody has their own path, and everybody obviously has their own experiences, especially in this profession, and how they attack it and how they approach it. It's not a one-size-fits-all model. And right. so you you have some people that can quarter, sort of give you the, the standard layout of you go to college, you get a degree, you get an internship, all things that I've done, too, by the way. But in terms of actually the profession and jumping into the profession – you can do all the things that people tell you that you're supposed to do to be a journalist or be an analyst or be a play-by-play announcer or any of those things. But until you get thrown in the fire, all of that stuff helps, but it's it's like practicing in a game. Like you know how they say you can't you can't replicate game speed.
1: Yeah, I get you. It's
0: that same. I take that same approach when I go into broadcasting and calling these games. It's like it's game time. You so, know what I mean?
1: So, is this somewhere we can hear you? Like, do is it broadcasted through their website? or?
0: Yeah, so all, all of Pacific's games are broadcasted on their website, goboxers.com. The Did Boxers you mention that? Master. I don't know if I missed Yeah, it. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, goboxers.com cool. is where you can watch those games at at Pacific, so that's where you obviously can watch the game and hear me on the call okay. for those games, so that's where you check that out at. Just go to football, and they'll have a schedule. Will be and then tuned in. Once you go to the schedule, they'll have an option right under you for you to just click watch, and you'll be able to watch the game live as it's happening, and I'll be the one that you'll be listening to live as it's happening. But yeah, man, just you know, like I said, Baptism by Fire has sort of been my journey in this media space, and now I'm comfortable with that. You know what I mean? It's something that you definitely got to adjust to and get comfortable with because, you know, being thrown in that fire usually is an uncomfortable thing. But because I've been thrown in the fire enough in this media and broadcasting space, it's like, here we go again. Yes, <laughs> here we sir. go again. So. Yep. Um, again, I, I think I'm most excited to figure out like what the pacing is gonna be like. Like I'm confident I know enough about the sport. I'm only calling what's happening on the field. I don't have to come up with some theories that you might hear me come up with for a podcast or right, you know right, what right. I mean? I don't have to like create content yeah, you're going of my off own of how the game. Going. I'm going so, off of how me. the game is going. But with that said, it is going to be interesting to see like what the pace is like, because I kind of found a pace and a rhythm calling basketball games. I don't know what that pace and rhythm is going to be for football because the pace of the game is completely different. So, um, you know, dead balls, but you know, between downs, all of that kind of stuff. And filling in that time is definitely going to be different. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for it, man. I'm just going to throw the headset on and do what I do best. And you know, I'll I learn from it as I go and as I progress. And we here now.
1: Go boxers. Fool. This is go
0: boxers all day, <laughs> baby. I'm an alum. Go boxers all day long. You got any announcement? Any nah, music coming out? Or, it's the comedy, comedy show. That? It's the comedy, comedy show. show. You'll be That's performing
1: my, there. Exactly. That's the uh, focus right now. A lot of music uh, inquiries lately. I don't know. It's just timing. A lot of people been asking me so. We are, we are getting there. I'll just say that. We heating up. We getting close. Something will be dropping soon on a music note. So as we continue this podcast, I'll keep y'all informed with that. But for now, October 29th. Lock It In, comedy show, Brian Hooks. Uh, it might be some special music appearance by me himself. So we'll see about it. Uh, yeah. But tap in. Yeah, and I'll be DJing that, by the way. I mean,
0: obviously, I announce all of my DJ gigs. But in this case... Bringing Brian Hooks out here, which was a connection of mine. Many of you all heard him on this podcast earlier in the year. He's been all over the country, you know, doing stand-up shows from New Jersey to Dallas to the Bay Area to. He's coming to Portland, and he's got a whole bunch of other cities slated as well. There's San Antonio, Texas. Like he's been all over the country doing stand-up. So. Um, I'm definitely glad that I was able to, you know, be a part of being able to bring him to Portland. It'll be his first time yeah. coming to perform in Portland, so that's super dope it's as well. Night, it's man. gonna be a fun night.
1: It's Did gonna, gonna be a fun night. You mentioned a Halloween costume party.
0: Yeah, we're gonna have a contest. yeah, 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 yeah. If you if you $100. if you if you come best dressed, I might come as Jam Master J, damn it.
1: Oh, you know what I mean? I'ma oh, be DJing. Here he goes. <laughs> here he goes. I, I might have to show up as Jam too. Master J. I might come with something too. I might, with something. I might come with something. I've been thinking about
0: it, man. I, I went to the Adidas employee store a couple days yeah, ago and yeah. I kinda looked for some sweatsuits yeah. to give me the jammaster J for vibe. I I'ma have to go back up there and, and really piece it together and put it together. But I thought about that. Or should I be DJ Jazzy Jeff? Ooh.
1: ooh, Cause I'm gonna be DJing. Ooh. We're gonna talk about it. All right, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out.
0: We'll figure (laughs) it out. We'll figure it out. Cause I yeah, I gotta figure out who I'm gonna be for Halloween this year. And that's gonna that's gonna be my Halloween turn up. Cause again, the next morning I got to call a football game. So I got to make sure that, you know, I don't go overboard tonight before. The next morning. (laughs) Because the next morning, I got to throw the headset right back on and call a game again.
1: I might be throwing my headphones on and getting on a plane to Vegas. Uh Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Sin City, baby. Sin City. And
0: and you you know what? We just got got back from Vegas, right? Yes, we did. I want to ask you this. Before, this will just be us. Today, we're just rapid fire. I mean, we're, you know, we got, I came in a little bit late, and I'll talk about the reason why I came in a little bit late to record here, because I do think it's relevant to this podcast, for sure. But we just went to Las Vegas, right? We went to celebrate our pops. He turned 60 years old. Happy birthday to pops. Happy birthday, man. But... We went to Dre's nightclub. Yes, we did. We go to Dre's nightclub and we we had a really good time. Like
1: it was a good vibe.
0: My question to you is this is getting a table overrated now? Because we were in general admission and it felt like GA was a whole lot more fun than having a table in there. And obviously, Dre's is a, is a pretty renowned club, especially a hip-hop club. It's Vegas. It's a Vegas nightclub. It is one of the more popular ones. But I know that getting a table has its perks, obviously, but I'm just talking about organic fun, not trying to stunt, not trying to flex, just being able to walk in, walk around dance with random people you know mm-hmm. what I mean and, yeah. and not in a sexual or flirtatious way but just everybody, yeah, everybody having fun on that, the, that Vegas you know what I mean dance. it's yeah, no you yeah. you you might as well be dancing yeah. you standing in the middle of everybody you know yeah. what I mean
1: um what are your thoughts on that For one I think a big part of tables was uh people coming together different groups it's not like tables were never a family. Type of thing for the most part is you meeting up with your boys, your girls, whatever, and getting a table. People not necessarily moving like that in large groups right now for COVID. So that's one thing that came to my mind. It's like you might be with three, four, five people at most. You're not being with eight to 10 to 12 people really having it cracking like yeah, where you're to There's concerns. You know what I mean? It's concerns. <laughs> Legitimate not, concerns. Number two. I've been in Dre's with a table while Future was performing in there. And it's still, even though we had a great time, it's still nothing like how that environment or that vibe was. So, I mean, in in regards to that, no, it's not worth it because the setting still wasn't even comparable to- Yeah, to pre-pandemic. To pre-pandemic Dre's tables and just the, the setting in general. It gets uncomfortable and too much when you're in general, I mentioned in Dre's we had room to wiggle and move around, like yeah. you said. We took a few laps. When you're in general admission in Dre's during a major event pre-COVID, you shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder getting stepped on, drunk drinks uh, getting spilled yeah. on you, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So right now, not so much because you still got room. But the comfortability of having a table, it, it, it does matter sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah, it, so at, at this point, to answer your question, no, table didn't... You, you didn't even damn near notice people with tables this time around. You, just, you right. just vibing, like you said. But uh yeah, things definitely, even though we have fun, it's still different.
0: But I do think it's interesting as you like look at and I've been able to DJ at a few different places and things like that. But if you look at like bar and club layouts now, they almost lay it out to where the entire club is a big ass sex VIP section. Yeah. Basically where it used yeah. to be like the ge- the general admission and the dance floor was still like the biggest part of the club. And then maybe like surrounding that you have these booths and these tables set up for people right, to right. be able to kind of have their own VIP type of an atmosphere where now it feels like at these clubs. It's a table everywhere. Like, the way they're restructuring things, obviously, monetarily, there's an aspect to it. You want people spend more money buying bottles than they do just right. going to the bar. So I get it from that standpoint. But at the same time, does that diminish the fact that now the club is just a big-ass section and the energy and the vibe is completely different because you really don't have a dance floor anymore where you just kind of can have fun with random people, meeting random people, and just having a good time and not having to worry about, again, trying to flex and pay X amount of thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars to have a table. It's just different. I don't know. It's just something I thought about after that experience. You got space. So I
1: I think that's a big part of it, comfortable and being kind of separate now like you said with the layout and still having space not so much worth it in my opinion but i got a quick rapid fire question for you now go for it after going to vegas you was in and out real quick yeah but you did experience it enough to probably be able to answer this in the past year and a half did that feel the most normal to you that you felt in a public environment in the past year and a half or no the
0: most normal from like
1: what standpoint? COVID standpoint. Ah, uh, like going out, like nightlife, going out since you know. Obviously, we we used to bars and small settings here in Portland. Obviously, you've traveled a bit since, but. Uh,
0: well, I, I I will say this is for me personally. Being vaccinated helps for me personally. I'm not trying to project vaccinations on anybody, so right. well, kind of but not really but anywho for me personally <laughs> anywho for me personally it's more of a situation where it's like during this last year and a half, I wasn't vaccinated that entire time, so the uncomfortability aspect not being vaccinated. I know it can still transmit. Whatever, whatever. We can get into the vaccine debate so all we you. want. I but, see where you're going. But with I this. do have a new sense of like confidence and a new sense of willingness of wanting to be out in those type of environment environments. Even though we are still in a pandemic, knowing that I am vaccinated gotcha. rather than prior to when I wasn't vaccinated and I might have you know stepped out a time or two and went here or went there and. Felt it's like, ooh, more we so. all, we just passing this thing yeah. around and yeah. we ain't got nothing to protect us yeah. from feel, if this yeah. thing goes all the way hay- haywire. And again, I had the COVID virus, I had coronavirus earlier on in a pandemic before we even had a vaccine available. So I think definitely the vaccination gave me a new sense, a new earth sense of comfortability to be out in a space like that. But this wasn't my first time being out in a space like that since I've been vaccinated. So, um, yeah, I think the more time progresses and the longer things go where, you know, I haven't felt sick since I've been vaccinated. I've felt A-OK. Everything has been good in that regard since then. I do think my my confidence continues to, like, increase in that regard in terms of me willing to be being willing and comfortable to be around more people in different settings like that so I hear you definitely
1: um, was the most normal see I felt since this whole pandemic started, so just figured out I passed the question. Yeah, no,
0: along. no, for sure. No, but it, it was a good time. Like I said, though, the general admission aspect was super fun because I will say I don't remember the last time that I've been to a nightclub Ex- without getting a table. Yeah, and yeah. that's what made me ask the initial question anyway it was like, Yo, I, yeah,
1: I used to, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I,
0: I kind of got some bougie friends, <laughs> and we usually get a table when we go to yeah. the nightclub, but this time we were just out and about and was On like, folk, Hey, for real, I, look,
1: I didn't even get dressed yeah, to go thought the we club. was going to a hookah lounge. And we yeah. Were address, <laughs> After did, hours and hella shit. I wasn't
0: even in what I would consider club attire mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. And mm-hmm. I didn't even attempt to because, again, the trip was so short. And I'm like, you know what? I mean, I, I, I'm presentable, but I'm not.
1: Yeah, I'm not dressed I'm up. I'm not dressed yeah. up
0: like Vegas nightclub dressed up, especially in comparison to many of my prior experiences having gone to Vegas and being dressed up to go to a nightclub. But it was just a good vibe. It was chill. It was good. Dre's was dope. The DJ was dope. Who was it? Frandelet Bay? friends in his, his name, but they call him Frandalay Bay because he DJs often at Mandalay Bay. But, yeah, no, it, it was a good vibe, man. It was a good time. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I I, I had fun. I had fun. Again, happy birthday to Pops. Big 60. That's that's a milestone birthday. That's a milestone (laughs) birthday. He enjoyed himself.
1: I say that. Absolutely. Yeah, he had a good time. He He definitely
0: had a good... (laughs) How was your betting? How was your betting?
1: great. I was six for seven. I got six different tickets. Uh, I didn't do no table games, which is rare for me. As you know, I shoot dice. I play roulette. Didn't do that. Didn't feel it. Um, But I knew that Sunday was coming, and I wanted to bet on football. So... I woke up, went, I, I actually woke up, got a blank piece of paper, and studied. I studied lines, I read up on a few websites, and then I wrote down what I felt like I was going to go with. Then I went downstairs to the sports book at the Westgate, and the line was wrapped around the whole thing Brad damn near to the casino. Never seen it like that ever in my life, even pre-COVID. So the wait was about 45 minutes, barely got my bets in, but I got seven tickets. First, six tickets, everything got action. I'm, I'm watching the games. I'm studying. Boom, boom. I see that I got a chance to hit on a lot of tickets. Then things continue to go my way. The one ticket that I lost, I did a two-way parlay with the same game. I bet that Tom Brady and the uh, the Buccaneers will, will win the first half and that the overall game would go, uh, no, I bet the spread that they'll beat the spread six and a half in the overall game, and that it'll be under whatever the over-under was. I hit the under, but as we know, they didn't win by six and a half. So it took till the last game of the night for me to lose a bet. So that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good thing. So basically paid for the trip and... You know, hey. we made the game <laughs> fun. Mad you can't that. be mad at that. Especially sports betting
0: stuff. paying for a trip to Vegas. Yeah. How
1: about it? Speaking Wake of up that, and I win, listener. I was listeners. Just talking to Zeb in there while we was waiting on you, and I I got the Seahawks tonight on a hot, on a hot take between seven and twelve points. What you got? The Rams are the Seahawks. I got the Rams. They are the projected uh, favorites. Favorites I'm sure. and, and by on, by two and a half. The line started at one. Where point. Where they playing at? They are in Seattle. In Seattle. They playing in Seattle. In Seattle. They Hostile in environment. Se- yeah, they playing in Seattle, and um, they got the line at two and a half right now, and the public got 75% bets on the Rams, 25% bets on Seahawks. So I'm betting on the dogs today. All
0: right, all right. Yeah, <laughs> I,
1: I, think, I, I think I'm going to go with the Rams to win. I think they're just playing a
0: little bit too good. I think the Seahawks... Got some stuff to figure out up front, right. playing against that dynamite Rams defense. <laughs> he as talked well. about that too. Yeah, I, I, I just don't know. I mean, they hopefully the twelfth man can really execute and be a twelfth man Facts. to give the Seahawks a little bit of a, of a boost being at home. Facts. And then obviously you can never count Russell Wilson out. We've seen him step up in big time games, and indeed this is going to be a big time game, NFC West matchup. Um, you know, two teams that. Probably will be seeing in the
1: postseason. Um, I don't got much faith in Matthew Stafford. I do. I, I knew you would say that. That's why I, I said do. it. I think the Lions were just trash. Yeah, like like he played. You think he's for, an elite quarterback. When is the last time the he's Lions an elite have been quarterback?
0: Good? I don't think he's an elite quarterback. He, I mean, but I think he's a very good. Place.
1: They, I think they want an elite quarterback.
0: I think he's a very good quarterback. I think with a as, with as good of a defense as they have,
1: yeah, he's a good work.
0: enough quarter quarterback to win a Super Bowl with.
1: You think he's based on upgra- his talent? You think he's a true upgrade from golf? Yes, I do. I agree. Yes, I do. Because right. I All think
0: right. he made more out of his situation with a terrible yeah. Yeah. franchise in the Detroit Lions. And now that he is with the Rams and they do got a pretty stacked squad over he there. He can
1: put up some boo numbers. He can put up crazy numbers. And now it, yeah. and
0: now he's got a defense that can support him. He's He's got a good wide receiver core. Like, yeah, I think Stafford is talented enough to go win a Super Bowl. With this oh, Rams shit.
1: team. shit. Okay. We didn't, With this we Rams wasn't, team. I didn't mean to send him that far, y'all. Sorry, listeners. Oh, that's too far? That's way too far.
0: They're a contender.
1: <laughs> that's way too far. You don't think the Rams are a contender? I don't think Matthew Stafford has the ability to win a Super Bowl. Hell oh, no. Oh, yeah. I think they can win a Super Bowl. Ooh. I think
0: as, as is, as currently constructed... Yes, the Rams can win a Super Bowl this year. How crazy would that be? And I wouldn't be, be surprised if LA, they did it. In LA. And it's in LA with this year. Snooping them there. Now, right. right. Now, obviously, you know, I'm not betting on him to win the Super Bowl. Right. I get you, but, but he has I do chance think to be as there. currently constructed with Matt, Stafford, with Matt Stafford as the quarterback there, yeah, they can win the Super Bowl. That's got, a squad over there. You got there.
1: me ready to take my bets back, man. Damn it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, a, that's a squad over there in LA. They definitely got a dynamite squad in LA. Speaking of the NFL though, have you heard this new news about Marshawn Lynch, NFL PA? Yeah, uh, the chief he's now the chief brand ambassador for the NFL Players Association. Yeah. Um basically where he will be helping and and I don't even got my chant stuff up. I came into the studio a little bit late, so forgive me for that. But I, I had a conversation and I'll talk a little bit about that conversation at some point because we never revisited it since a certain incident happened. So I'll just allow you all to kind of speculate on what that is, but I'll talk about it here shortly. But back to Marshawn, he is the chief brand ambassador of the NFL Players Association. He'll be helping current players and former players with strategies, you know, that can lead to them having success on and off the field, of course. And again, we talked about this before. I think this is all the NFL making the right moves culturally to enhance the product that is the NFL, especially coming off of the last half a decade or so where people have had a lot of questions about the NFL, about its intent, and about the treatment of its players. Obviously, spearheading that was Colin Kaepernick with the movement that he was able to start, not just within the NFL, but the world of sports at large. And so last week, we get an announcement that Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, Mary J. Blige will be performing at the Super Bowl. And now here you go, fast forward to this week, and Marshawn Lynch, who's I I deem to be a cultural icon, is getting this first ever chief brand ambassador position essentially created for him, for him to be able to help not only current athletes, but retired athletes as well. I right. think that's a huge deal. I think the NFL is on the right side of history with a lot of the recent decisions that are being made. And I think a lot of that has to do with the turmoil and the pressure that they've been put under in the last five years. And obviously you got Jay-Z who's tied in with the NFL and Rock Nation. And culturally, they are – doing everything that they possibly can to atone for a lot of the bullshit that they've gotten away with because they are the NFL over the last however many decades. And it's good to see, honestly. It's a really Facts. good thing to see.
1: Yeah. I think it's real coincidental how Marshawn Lynch's stance in the NFL, you know him as like a lot of not wanting to do interviews and the famous I'm only here so I don't get fined and that kind of stuff and like in in retrospect, how much he's actually a good fit for this position, one hundred percent, and that's why I believe you. You know, part of why I think you are admitting to uh, the NFL being the right on the right side of things, not only because he's a black uh, ex NFL player, but because he's actually a good fit for this, great and, fit for him, with us being from the Bay and with his career in in Seattle and us knowing how knowledgeable and how many other opportunities he's created from Skittles to a lot of (laughs) what I think he on some chips, Dorito uh, commercials. Now it's like for somebody to be as true to themselves and as Oakland as he is very Oakland and and have these kind of, uh, you know, opportunities presented. I think that speaks volumes to how smart he really is and how much, again, those, those moments where he's like, uh, where he, like, stack your chicken, save your chicken. like Take, he, care, of take care of your mental, Take care of your mentals. He's the things. been given gems just in his own way. But I think this is going to be a way for it to really reach even more internally.
0: And there was a point in time, and it might have lasted, I would imagine it lasted throughout his entire career, where he had never spent the game check.
1: Yeah, I heard that He too. collected
0: all of his game checks in the NFL and never spent them. And obviously was still <laughs> able to sustain. And now he's getting checks from everywhere. Yeah, I mean, he gets... So many
1: endorsements. He
0: gets endorsements I mean, like said, from everywhere. He's got his own independent yep. model with yeah. what he does with his Beast Mode yeah, brand. Exactly. like, And that's without for ever that shit, having to spend a game yep. check. Like, he so. is the perfect fit for this. And again, sure. I think the NFL has been on the ball with a lot of the the decisions. Obviously, having a Super Bowl in L.A., having Dr. Dre, having Snoop Dogg. Like, this is murder was the case that we're talking about. We would (laughs) have never imagined to see 30 years ago in the the early 90s that these dudes would be performing at a Super Bowl. Like, you just never could have imagined that. Even 20 years ago, twenty, even maybe 15 years ago, we could have never expected to see... Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar performing at a Super Bowl together.
1: Yeah. Shout out to It's not a pop lineup. That is not a pop
0: lineup at yeah, all. <laughs> for sure. For sure. That that's not a pop lineup, but again like you said, shout out to Beast Mode and him being able to get that that position. Again, the NFL was on the right side of history with that decision, and that was an absolute power play. So, I think that that was super dope and uh yeah, man, it, it's it's a big move for the NFL, and they continue to do the right things. And I think that it's showing in their product. I think overall, the NFL's product is as best as it's been in quite some time. Um, I do want to talk about some local stuff going
1: on here with Portland Thorns. Portland Thorns. Did you hear about that? Seen it. It was on the news. I seen it. Read about it. Heard about it. Crazy. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Essentially. Um, there was some sexual coercion happening in terms of a former coach of the Thorns who got protected ultimately. Yeah, he did get protected. This happened five years ago or six, 2015 was when this happened where the former coach of the Portland Thorns, basically there was an internal investigation had and the Thorns parted ways with him and, outwardly and publicly they parted ways with him because he just wasn't a right fit for the job at the time. But we come to find out that along with him not being a right fit for the job because they weren't playing well, he also was had a private investigation within the organization for some sexual misconduct and the team parted ways with him. But he went on to coach – in New York, and be able to coach their professional women's soccer team out in New York, so essentially there was some enabling that happened there by keeping his sexual misconduct under wraps, Mm -hmm. and it's all coming out now, to the point where you've got the city of Portland protesting, um, you've got the, the Thorns, Damn. you got the Thorns and the Timbers fans the that are too. operating in solidarity right now. Um, the general manager of the Thorns just went on leave, Gavin Wilkinson. He's the current... Uh, GM for the Thorns, but he also is the GM for the Timbers as well. So I can only imagine that in a short amount of time that he will be on leave from Timbers matches as well because the Thorns and the Timbers, again, they operate in solidarity in a real way. If you know and are aware of the stances that the Timbers Army takes, it is... They don't play politically, socially like they get down when it comes to those social issues. Remember a while back, a couple years ago, when they had the whole thing going on with the Iron Front and we had Dr. Jules Boykoff come on and talk about that. And they were flipping the bird at at Gavin's booth that he usually sits in. They were chanting F Gavin at the at the Timbers match I'm talking about. Do we know what the allegations are? Uh it was multiple things and it was with multiple women. Um I would have to look and read exactly what he did to all of them, but um they were definitely harassment. He was it was harassment for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Sexual harassment, sexual misconduct. Um but again, And a question that I had internally before I even kind of got into all of this was how, how did the Thorns handle this situation and did they handle it in the right way? And legally, I think you can say that they can that they did somewhat handle it in the right way, especially being that. We don't know if the women who were victims of this harassment and of this sexual misconduct wanted this to really go public like that anyway. But I think where they messed up was ethically, because ethically, this coach should have never got another job again. He shouldn't yeah, have been able sure. to go. For sure. <laughs> That's where the problem was. Like now he Merritt out his
1: job wherever he's at. Now, like so Merritt
0: Paulson, you could have tipped off the New York squad and let them know, like, yo, don't hire this dude. He's got some faulty stuff going on behind the scenes. Now, maybe that would have hindered being able to keep the privacy of the victims at the time who may not have wanted these stories to go super public. They are, they are okay with the stories being public. Now there's been a six year time gap since all of this happened. But I do believe even if the Timbers handled everything lawfully, the way things were supposed to be by the book lawfully, it's hard for me to believe that Merritt Paulson could not have made sure that this guy never got a coaching job again in the yeah. National Women's yeah, Soccer League. And, and that's they definitely downplayed the yeah, it. And that's where the enabling comes in in that regard because there's just no way that that should have happened. And it's very unfortunate that that did happen. And, again, you know, I remember back when Etan Thomas was on this podcast last year and – it was back when he was criticizing Shaq. And obviously the two incidents are unrelated, but this is just more so speaking to law and ethics once again. And when Shaq was on the podcast, or Shaq went out and basically he didn't, I don't want to say he supported the cops that murdered Breonna Taylor, but lawfully he felt like they shouldn't have been charged because they did certain things right by the law. And this is one of those situations. And like Tom was saying, like, well sure we understand that the law is a thing and we understand that we do have a system but that doesn't mean that it isn't flawed like lynching was once legal like if we want to get into like lawful practices you could lynch people in America and there's certain anti-lynching acts that we're still trying to get passed here in the United States of America that doesn't get passed but that doesn't mean that ethically especially with some of the with the prior mistakes that those cops had on their records in terms of the way that they handled certain situations, they shouldn't have even been allowed to be on the force. And the fact that they were still allowed to stay on the force, even though they had faulty incidents prior to that of them murdering Breonna Taylor, ethically, they should not have been allowed to be on the the force, and now here we are. And it has that same sort of a feel for this coach here, where it's like, you know, maybe... The organization and the coach handled things the way folks wanted it to be handled at the time, the way, like I said, the victims may have wanted things to be handled lawfully. They probably went through the private investigation the the correct way, and they eventually did part ways with that coach during all of that. But that doesn't mean ethically that he should be able to have another job in this same exact league where he can do this same exact thing all over again out there. So – It's just really unfortunate, and I I definitely stand in solidarity with with the Thorns, obviously the victims first and foremost, with Thorns supporters, with many Timbers supporters as well, because, again, the interconnection between those two organizations, like Gavin is not just the GM for the Timbers, but he is also the GM for the Thorns as well. So there are so many interconnections. And Paul Riley is the coach's name who was, you know – who was allegedly yeah, we ain't
1: protecting his ass. We
0: ain't protecting What's him his at name? all. Paul Riley. All right, thank you. Paul Riley was his name. Janky. Who was the predator? <laughs> yeah. Paul Paul the Predator is his Paul name the today. Predator. Paul the fucking predator is what we're gonna call him today. But yeah, it, it was really unfortunate that these women had to go through all these things. And um I stand in solidarity with them. And I do think that we have to consider law and ethics when we have these conversations, because there are laws and loopholes within the system that allow for predatory shit like this to be able to take place. And far too often we just stick to the law and stick to the book, but Ethically, there was a lot wrong with this entire situation. Facts. So. And
1: mind you, I was only laughing at the play on words. Oh, yeah, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. We, yeah, 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 yeah. It's in no way a funny uh, situation. I, you know? I'm, I'm
0: definitely aware. Yeah, I'm facts. definitely okay. aware.
1: You know, you uh, got to clear that stuff up. These days. Yeah, you so, do. Like, you, you do. You got to be real careful. There with your are actions, consequences
0: so. for with sure. the words that you say these yes, days. So. <laughs> so. There are definitely consequences with the words that you say these days. Um, also, there's some new life in Portland street response, sticking to local politics Uh, many of you know if you've listened to this podcast over time Portland Street Response which is basically a police alternative model um, that I played a significant role in being able to help get launched and off the ground in the earlier stages of it we had a reporter at Street Roots Emily Green who reported on it and then we basically created an advocacy plan to gather data gather information especially from those that were unhoused on sort of this police alternative model. And it got... The pilot happened in the Lents neighborhood here in Portland, but there was a push to get it citywide. And city council, council voted it down in the last budget hearing earlier in the summer. And obviously, people weren't happy about that, especially when, you know, talk about the police culture here in the city of Portland and everything that's going on in that regard. But now... We have six months since this pilot has been launched, and we have new evidence that shows that this is actually a substantial thing. And one of the commissioners, Dan Ryan, who voted against it in the last budget hearing, is now saying that he's all in. Our good friends over at Portland Action Collaborative was able to come up with this new report. Nearly 90 percent of calls that were routed to Portland Street Response would have been routed to police and the number of resultant arrests of that were zero. That matters a lot, especially because of the disproportionate numbers that led to Portland Street response even being a model that folks felt should have been created here in Portland. Or Over 50% of the arrests in Multnomah County in 2017 were unhoused people. Facts. So to know that all of these calls that otherwise would have been routed to the police— had Portland Street response not been launched, hadn't even the pilot of it hadn't been launched, that probably would have resulted in a lot more arrests of homeless people. But instead, zero people of those calls ended up being arrested.
1: Great Great results. And then
0: going on from that, because of the follow-up that happened with um, the community social workers that work with Portland Street response with some of these people that had these interactions with PSR, six people were housed after a follow-up interaction with Portland Street Response. That don't happen when you have interactions with the police. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I'm I'm happy and I'm not surprised. I I feel like I was able to see and hear the buildup leading towards Portland Street Response being launched. And it it just appears that they did things the right way, from the business model to the action plan and everything aligned yeah. with that. And so. It's amazing to see that the numbers speak, you know, to what they support, what I expected to see in the value of of having it. So congrats to that. And I hope that it continues to be a positive force within the community.
0: And and it's super interesting because the Portland police force is struggling to keep police. (laughs) So, a part of the reason why they struggle to keep police is because they don't and they don't support models like Portland Street Response, but they also don't want to do the work that they're supposed to do here in the market because obviously there's a lot of tension between the community and the police. We all know what happened in the year 2020. We all know how amplified the uprisings were here in the city of Portland in comparison to any other American city or maybe any other city in the world, if we want to take it even a step further, because Portland really stepped up in a major way in their stance against the police out here. And it's just interesting how PPB, Portland Police Bureau, who is understaffed, and doesn't support a model like this that takes away some of the problems that they have and the reasons why they can't keep staff here. It's just super hypocritical to see, like, why wouldn't y'all full-on support this thing yeah. and support this launch? But a lot of it comes down to power and greed. And, and they don't politics. want this to interfere the with politics. They want to they keep the power that they've always had as a police bureau. They want to keep the budget and 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 the flexibility that they've been able to have as a police bureau because they've been looked at in a certain light as powerful people and people that obviously have been needed in this community but to see portland street response show that hey there are alternative models for people to actually succeed after interactions with law enforcement or with a a city-sanctioned entity like Portland Street Response, which falls under uh, Portland fire, it's just really great to see that we just kind of got some newfound hope. And hopefully in this next fall budget hearing, we will hear that Portland Street Response will expand citywide and not just be held within the neighborhood of Lentz. And, And again, having Dan Ryan come out and support it now, which he didn't during the last budget hearing, certainly gives folks a little bit more hope that, the votes in city council will reflect that Portland street response should and will expand here in the near future. Lastly, because I know we got to get out of here. I do. um, I mentioned that I spoke with somebody today and the person that I spoke with was Jason Verrett of the San Francisco 49ers. Many of you remember him from the phenomenal interview that we had with Jason Verrett earlier this year after last NFL season where He was a comeback player of the year finalist. He's overcome a whole bunch of injuries and things of that sort. And this year, things were looking promising. He was the cornerback one. He was the CB one for the Niners. And week one, he tore his ACL. First week.
1: Tough injury. Tough injury.
0: And we obviously know his injury history. And if you don't know his injury history, go back and listen to that episode, because a lot of gems were given. But his story is just a very unique one. And... You know, I hollered at him the first day that it happened and shot him a text and you know it was real short just because I know he was probably in a pretty tough space. But to hear from him today and speak with him at length on the phone today, it was one of those situations where I told him I had to come into the studio and he didn't give a damn that I had to come in the studio because he had a lot to talk about and a lot to get off his chest and to hear how high his spirits were after all of this, yeah. um, it was phenomenal. It was encouraging. And for any listeners that have followed Jason Verrett or wonder how he's doing, because you don't see him on social media or any of those things, I can say that he is in a very good headspace. And he, he kind of, again, how I was saying, like, I've been baptized by fire enough to where I'm kind of comfortable with that. He's dealt with so many setbacks and so many injuries in his career he's confident and comfortable in his ability to bounce back and he's not allowing his mental space to be taken to some of the dark places that they were in the past trying to bounce back from some of these injuries because obviously these are significant injuries and injuries I feel that like are that's
1: the true meaning of conquer in life when you can exercise your mind to go a certain way and not stay in a dark place absolutely it would naturally take you to i think that is a a very important part of living a successful life outside of money yeah you know what i mean yeah forget the financial part being able to catch and recognize when your mind is going to place and then reshift this focus or Absolutely, vibe you know that that, that is, defines you. That defines you. That's it, very uh, important.
0: interception,
1: yeah,
0: all the fame, all yeah. the millions is not what defines you. It's moments like that for sure where you your character is defined. So it was super dope to be able to see that. Um, but with that said,
1: I don't have too much more. Take This L? short,
0: sweet. Uh, You got one?
1: Yeah. Go for it. Steven Jackson, Stack Jack. Stack Jack. Bruh, I've been waiting for this. Stack Jack, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I love him to death. Man, I'm a fan. But sometimes he is very contradictive, and he puts out some not so good information, or maybe just not in the best way, I should say. Yeah. And with this... I'm speaking on a recent, what appears to be a post and delete, because I definitely tried to go back and look at Oh, he deleted it, because I know
0: what post you're talking about, (laughs) because I saw the
1: post when he first posted (laughs) it, and then I saw the second post, a follow-up post (laughs) to that post, and then he deleted both of them. Long story short, he screenshotted a text, uh, uh, allegedly, from his mother-in-law, saying that his father-in-law is battling... I don't want to say... I mean, I, forget it. I think myocondritis or something along yeah. them lines. But uh, ultimately, I believe it was like a heart situation that he's fighting for his life due to getting the vac- vaccination shot. Yeah. Vaccine, yeah. And um, again, it's it's my problem is with how you do things. So he started off the post, the caption saying, I'm not... Uh, uh, I'm not a doctor basically I'm not the health expert I'm not a, uh, e- a academic like I'm not a scholar but it then proceeds to say, <laughs> That you know, the this is no, basically no, no. what is called. Go ahead. He, he said, but I'm first team, but all first, common sense. First team, all common sense. So forget the health uh, expertise, <laughs> forget being a scholar. <laughs> I got common sense and that's all that matters. So I'm gonna proceed with this post. That in itself is contradictive to me. And then what he screenshotted was like, The conversation with the uh, with the in law, and then like basically the first two things that pop up when you Google whatever the condition is, it just it wasn't supportive to the point he was trying to make. And although again, I understand sometimes what he's trying to say, he he stirs the pot and he tags women with Jamil. Like it's it's a lot of like I said, like undercover. Like I don't think for him for me to credit how really is that's a lot of. Foolfulness to me, yeah. If you so, understand. so
0: what a ha- what <laughs> happened prior to that? What happened prior to that? So you know why he tagged Jamel Hill, right? He posted a video in support of Kyrie. Him and Kyrie Irving are really close. Right. We obviously know what's going on with Kyrie Irving and him not taking the vaccine and all the conversations that are stirring up. And by the way, Andrew Wiggins did indeed have his come to Jesus moment that I yeah. mentioned on last he week's got, episode. Yes, he, yes, he did. And he got vaccinated because he, missing he wasn't missing out on that money. But, Kyrie but Kyrie Kyrie's still holding out. Yeah. Kyrie is still holding out. Then. We don't know. But with that said, Kyrie and Steven Jackson are very close. <laughs> so he's talking about about kyrie and how again like you said the heart conditions and how people's balls are swelling up <laughs> and how it's affecting got me. and how it's affecting women's <laughs> fertility and so jamel hill commented on that post and basically said broke down yeah, all the I've actual statistics and she was able to source her statistics which is very very important, important these days to be able to source your statistics I don't know how we got away
1: from that, or why we got away from that. <laughs> or you because he post a screenshot of the first two things on Google. And then a mail, mail, Clinic. He screenshots a text message from
0: his mother-in-law, who's who's attributing her husband having this heart condition to the vaccine, but she wasn't able to cite no connection Mind to you, that. She said that's her belief, though. Tell Jamil In, Hill this. Yeah, she's telling him to tell Jamil Hill what's happening to her husband, and. Any you anybody can send that text and say that that doesn't yeah. mean that that's the actual connection. Did the doctor tell you this, or are you just saying this because coincidentally the or the timing the of it, sure. it just happened around that way? For sure. And now you got um, then, like you said, he's just screenshotting <laughs> stuff and posting <laughs> stuff where Jamel really was giving him like websites, red-cost websites, statistics, sources, the whole nine yards. And I've seen a lot of that happen over these last five years or so where (laughs) you've got your friends who are trying to convince you of certain things and they send you like a YouTube video of somebody like – giving you some kind of conspiracy, and it's like, yo, but where are they getting this information from? Bruh. And it's on YouTube, YouTube Bruh. University. Don't, like, nah, I mean, that ain't wrong. I ain't going to lie. I'm a bona
1: fide <laughs> real one. I'm first team common sense as well. And he might not give a damn, but he do too much more of this kind of characteristic shit, he'll lose me. And he lost some people. He's, lost, a, people he's lost people over time. It, it's just... That kind of stuff is the Jewish comments that he made
0: a while back. The anti-Semitic comments that he made a while back. And listen, I want to support him as well. And I and to be fair, I know people like Stack. That's why from my own neighborhood, you know what I mean. Like like so, my love for Stack is going to be different from the general masses because I know people like Stack. So I got a little bit more tolerance (laughs) for when Stack does stuff (laughs) like this. But the general public Public don't.
1: Yeah. really you and you got to know that
0: you got to know that you got to be that. aware of your surroundings you got to be able to read the room that is very important and stack definitely sometimes struggles to read the room and to me not being able to read the room but calling yourself somebody that has all yeah, team, yeah. all first team common sense. That's a and contradiction. I struggle with yeah, that. Me too. I struggle with that. Because he, he, he struggles to read the room sometimes. There it is. I, I'll leave the elder Stack. And I hate Thank that we're giving Cause the cause we elder the Stack because I rock with it. him. I know. Because, again, like I said, it's people from my hood just like Stack that I love to death.
1: Yeah, I know.
0: And I, I know. love him to death because but, I, but, I know <laughs> his heart is in the right place. Yeah. But damn, Stack. <laughs> and I opened up saying that. I did. I made <laughs> For it For sure. For sure. Definitely. But damn, Stack. don't send me the text message from your mother-in-law give me sources the way Jamel Hill gave you sources and then maybe we could talk about it on that note we'll leave y'all the only way that we know how and that is to stay woke and go win